Hello and welcome to Rockets Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by PDF Pen from Smile. Woo! Yeah, but unfortunately, it's a sad day here at Rocket HQ. Oh. <laughs> I'm Simone de Rochefort, and I'm a senior video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress, and that's all. <laughs> that's all we have. Oh, you know, you know, Simone, before the last thing Christina ever told me before she left was that her dream was that Rocket would be a five-star podcast by people rating and reviewing it on iTunes, and yeah. now that day will never come. I heard her say that so many times, Bree, and every time I said, <laughs> there's so much time, Christina. Surely you'll see the show become a five-star show on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. I we just told the listeners anymore. about this last week when Christina also wasn't here and we we told you that yeah. we, we assumed that what did we say? 30, 50 reviews on iTunes would Something get us like up. that. Yeah, we go yeah. to that five Give star. Give or take limit. a few zeros. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Well, but the, but the important thing is that we have a show to do, Brie. We have to carry on. <laughs> and maybe, maybe Christina will be back next week. But who can if say? If the listeners come through, you know, Christina <laughs> will be, she will be reading those reviews on iTunes from heaven yeah, or possibly from another place based on the conduct on this show, but she'll be reading them. Ghost Christina will be reading yeah, them. No matter, no matter which end <laughs> she goes to, surely she will be allowed to read podcast <laughs> reviews there. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's... that's like Dante's most awesome, like circle of hell. Read your own podcast reviews. If you're in heaven, you get to read all the good reviews. And if you're right. in hell, you get to read right. the ones that say you have an annoying voice. Simone has vocal fry. One yes. star. Listen, it could be so much worse than it is. So let's all just get together and uh, okay. support the show. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> Well, we, we as I said, the show will go on and we have an exciting show for you tonight because there's a glorious intersection of technology, failure and politics, which Woo! we will be discussing. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we'll also be discussing uh, a fun Google glitch, Google error and some drama in the video game community and wrapping it up with the coolest thing that I have seen online this week or possibly in my life. It's You'll really find cool. out what that is. Yes. After you eat your vegetables, baby. <laughs> so, folks, I don't know if you know this, but it's 2020. And a uh, caucus season has begun. We're having primaries, baby. The Iowa Democratic Party had its caucus on Monday, and they decided to use an app to report the results, which is called Iowa Reporter App. Um, the app was made by a company called Shadow Inc., and initially, as by the, the way, great name for a company that honestly, a whole political topic stuff. Simply yes. devoted to the name. Um, but initially, there was a problem because the app was not reporting the correct data, and the results, which were expected yesterday, had to be delayed until late on Tuesday, which is the day that we're recording. That made everybody mad. And as this story was looked into, and people were saying, "Okay, what is this app? Why were they using it?" It just got worse and worse. Motherboard reported that the app had trouble booting on the phones of some of the precinct chairs, so they simply could not even log into the app to report their results. 
The precinct chairs have been told that, first of all, the final instructions for using the app were sent at 1 p.m. on February 3rd, which is the day of voting. The precinct chairs who decided, okay, this app is not working, I'm going to report my results the old-fashioned way by telephoning into the headquarters. Uh, They tried to call in. They were kept on hold for hours. It became very chaotic because they started tweeting out results, which is fine, but it just kind of added to the, the noise and the mess of what is happening in Iowa. And the great ironic cherry on top of the cake, the ice cream, the sundae, whatever it is, it's really not clear what it is, just like it's not clear what this company that made the app is. The great irony is that the reason the IDP, the Iowa Democratic Party, decided to keep the app and its developers a big old secret was for quote-unquote big scare quotes security reasons. They were worried about the developers being targeted or the app being targeted. But because it was a secret, the app was never vetted by cybersecurity professionals um, and or election security organizations or the cybersecurity community at large. Um, So we don't know if the app was indeed secure because it was never looked at by anyone. Um, Can I just say, feeling really good about uh, our industry's effect on democracy here and around the world. I'm just, I'm feeling really good about it. We simply love to see it. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I'll, I'll wrap up the, I guess, what happened with the election itself. There was obviously a paper trail. So the Iowa Democratic Party says they were, you know, able to do the results. But I think that does not, that negates nothing because the larger issue is that volunteers Volunteer people, people who are like giving their time to the Democratic Party for the election process in a very crucial year were given improper training on short notice with an app that hasn't been vetted by cybersecurity experts. That cybersecurity experts even warned the Iowa Democratic Party against using weeks ago. Right, right. So there's well, my takeaway. So before, before we dig into the technical aspects of this, and just trust me, listeners, like when we go into the blow by blow of how did this app deploy, what was the, what went wrong with it technically, there's a lot of meat here. But I just, I want to set the stakes for Rocket listeners. Because this is, this is a catastrophic, um, this is a catastrophic um, issue. Um, you know, you have every single presidential candidate. They spent weeks upon weeks upon weeks in Iowa hoping to, to get ground and set the narrative and basically get a hot streak going coming out of Iowa. This destroys all of that work in a year where the Democratic Party does not need to be screwing around because an app failed. Um, you know, this delegitimizes the, 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 the results of this contest, no matter who wins. And bizarrely, the Iowa, um, the Iowa uh, Democratic Party decided to come forward. They announced 61% of the vote. Uh, Pete uh, Buttigieg won on delegates, and Bernie won the popular vote, and Biden sunk like a, a rock tied to an anchor in the Titanic <laughs> being, being pushed over a waterfall. Um, and, and, and this... This, it it delegitimizes everything. And we're living in an age where there's a lot of loss in, of faith legitimately in the Democratic Party. And there's also a lot of conspiracy theories. I've been very disheartened by how many people I know and respect 
are very quick to go into conspiracy theories when we don't have uh, facts here yet. It's also true that Russia is using this as one of these great opportunities to pounce and divide American against American. So this is an extremely serious situation, and I think it really sets the stage with um, you know, what's at stake when you're using technology in elections and you don't do it correctly. I mean, would you agree with that, Simone? I agree with every single thing that you just said. It is it is an example of technology being introduced to overcomplicate something that is maybe not ideal as a process, but it does not need to be complicated in order to make it more efficient. And certainly, like when I think of the caucuses that I went to in Washington, like the the people who are volunteering at these are not all like Jonathan Green, who Motherboard talked to, who is an IT professional. They are from all walks of life. They have different levels of comfort with technology. And to hand them an app and lengthy instructions for it, you know, they they had access to a beta of it last month, but to hand them the instructions for it the day of the vote and to expect them to be comfortable enough to use it properly with like even not taking into account the technological failures of the app and the lack of transparent, the complete lack of transparency, that's too much to demand of the people that of people that are volunteering to do one of the most important things, the most important parts of our electoral process. So so let's dig into the technical aspects of what went wrong. And I'm going to kind of uh, split this into two buckets as we're going, as things have been credibly reported, things that we're certain about, and things that we're pretty sure that we know, but they've not been verified by two or more sources. So um, one of the things we've heard, I've not seen it nailed down and reported by somewhere like the Washington uh, Post or New York Times, is that the budget for this app, the budget for this app, the budget for this app, penetration testing, uh, user testing, back-end, user interface, every bit of it, the entire budget for an app that 16,000 precincts were going to use across the state was 60000 Dollars, oh my God! Which <gasps> is nothing. Oh, which is my God. nothing. Which is nothing. You cannot even do a proper code audit for that amount of money. You can't run. I mean, you could run an Amazon or an Azure container for that, but you could not. It's just a. It's beyond an inadequate budget. And if you look at screenshots of this. I hand to God, it looks like a student project. So we've had credible reports out that the budget for this was wholly inadequate. It's not nailed down, but I've personally looked at the code of this with other people, and it certainly looks like uh, a. Um, there were early reports that it was a deprecated Android chain, uh, Android tool chain that was uh, being used to code this on the Android side. That's not true, but it was coded with some tools. There's an offshoot from 90s technology hypercard. I am no. not joking. I am not joking. I saw that myself, assuming that the, the screenshots I saw were accurate, but that certainly seems to be true. Um, another thing that seems to be th- true, according to the LinkedIn page that I saw, is that they have this a company of about 10 people. And five people here are um, are basically the political movers and shakers whose job it is to go network. Mm. And then according to a tweet thread I saw by someone credible, 
uh, you have one back end engineer and two front end engineers. Stop. So those are those are reports that have come out. Um, so that's kind of the 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 environment all around this and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Simone. This is so unbelievably concerning. You know, we don't ship a Call of Duty game without an entire, you know how we do it. We have the demo and everyone logs on and you have trouble logging in and then they figure out how much server um, bandwidth they need to buy, right? Um, they didn't even do this. Their 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 test was just going live with it. Can and, I ask? Yeah, oh, no, please, please, your, please, go ahead. No, I was no, going to no, ask yeah. about Test Fairy. So in the Vice piece that I was reading they mentioned the like the mere process of installing the app to test through Test Ferry was just it was ferry? non-standard. Do you mean test flight? Do you mean test flight? Test ferry or test pilot? Um, the huh. Test Ferry was the one that they used. Okay. And the vice piece says uh, it's non-standard and usually comes with a warning message from the phone's operating system. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this was just not a normal way to pass to hand the app off to the people who. Like are not they're not professional testers, they're precinct chairs. Right. Maybe that's the Android side. Maybe an Android person listening to Rocket can tweet at me and let me know. I do know on the iOS side that it was test flight that was used for that. Gotcha. Which is a non standard pain in the butt way to install things. Tell me so, about that. Like what what is it about it? So back in the day, I'll I'll go super quickly on this. Um uh, Apple wants to keep control over the app store, right? Uh, but developers need to be able to test software, right? So we have to kind of find a middle ground where developers can let friends install things on their phones, but it's not anything out in the wild that many, many people can download. So uh, Apple acquired a, uh, a product called TestFlight, which basically got your UDID of your device and uh, creates a uh, provisional certificate for your device to basically allow software to run on it, uh, bypassing the need for a certificate from the App Store. So Long story short, it's a way to install test builds on your device without going through the entire app store process, um, which is, it's very janky. I mean, mm. it's, it's not difficult to do, but it's something I'd have to think about doing. It's nothing I'd hand, you know, someone who wasn't in tech to do, frankly. Um, so that is just a, an astonishingly bad pipeline. Aye, aye, aye. So the error messages, I want to talk mm-hmm. briefly about the error messages that people were seeing. Um Initially, I do want to say that the login process, as written down, sounds fine. So the to log in, the precinct they had to put in their precinct ID, um, sign in with an email and password, provide two-factor authentication, enter the two-factor password uh, or the gener- the bleh, the <laughs> number generated by the Google Authenticator app, um, which sounds fine. Except that when uh, this particular person, Jonathan Green, who Vice talked to, when he entered the one-time password from Google Authenticator, got an incredibly vague error message hmm. saying there could be a misconfiguration in the system or a service outage. Right. Feel free to contact us. Please try again. And uh, so Vice showed this message to several cybersecurity experts, and they were all like, there's not enough info here for us to say what exactly went wrong here? Well, we know what they've said. The mm-hmm. company itself, Shadow, has spoken up since that piece went live, and they said it was a problem with the um, basically transmitting the uh, the information. 
And that's on the back end, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got the front end stuff, like what the app looks like on the phone and then sending the data to how they can use it. You know, what really gets me is like, look, like Christina works on the freaking cloud services team at Microsoft. Yeah. Her entire damn job is containerized applications for stuff like Azure. Like there is, it is so easy to go get a big bucket of data with some big service if you don't have the tools to go do a backend, but you've got to implement it correctly. Mm -hmm. And for everything we're seeing here, there's no evidence that they worked with anyone like Amazon or, or, or Microsoft or, or it seems like they just tried to build it themselves or they had some problems with uh, getting the data transmitted. So my message to people out there is, my God, if you're doing something election-centric, do not try to, like, build your own back end. Like, no. get enough of a budget to do it right or go to S3 or something. Use a damn Google Doc sheet, right? <laughs> like, 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 have the person just send a, 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 data, uh, a data cell and then have that transmitted into a Google data sheet with the user ID and figure it out from there. But don't... It's just Don't so build clear your that own they're not app. prepared. Yes. Yeah, it's, it seems like, like I was saying, the people on the ground are maybe not technologically experienced. I, to be frank... Don't think that the people at the top of the Iowa Democratic Party probably are either. <laughs> right. Well, but it was the Democratic Party that was stepping in and saying, let's do it this way. So um, according to reports I've seen, um, you know, this was the National Party kind of saying, we need you to do it this way. Oh, great. And it, it makes sense. Like they want redundancies. They want transparency. They want it. They have good intentions here and mm-hmm. I'm willing to take them at that. But um, you know, yeah, definitely. And also, this is not me saying that people in Iowa are technologically incompetent. Oh, no. This is me saying that people like if your career is running a political party, unless you're Brianna Wu, you probably have tr- have specialized in that <laughs> thing rather than in cybersecurity, for example. Correct. Um, right. And that's just that's just the way it is. Don't try to muck around with things that you don't understand. <laughs> Right. Um, another thing, this is before we even get to the cybersecurity aspect of this, Simone. And, you know, this is what really gets me. If you're asking the public, these precinct captains, to go install this on their phone, my God, you can't go secure at least 1,600 devices. How do you know that those phones have not been compromised? How do you know there's not a keylogger on there? How do you know that it's not going to get your OAuth token and, like, upload different data after the fact. Um, for $60,000, there's there's clearly no code audit, much less something like a penetration test. So, you know, this is, it, it's mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling that they would do this. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that they would do this after Russians interfered, right? Yes, after interference. And also thinking back to their justification for keeping the developers a secret. Yes, the app developer was a secret, but news about the app being used was in the news. You could probably assume, okay, it's people in people, precinct chairs are going to have this app installed. Their names are probably found quite easily if you're intent on hacking someone's phone. So you're absolutely right to say that like putting these this app on devices that are out in the wild, ridiculous. What are you doing? So 
And another thing, I've seen reports from credible people. I do want to tell our Rocket listeners, I've not seen this reported by the New York Times or anywhere like that. So take this with a grain of salt. But I've seen reports from people that I find credible saying that uh, the the pins to log into this app were inadvertently tweeted and accessible to the public online. No. I, I've seen that, and I, I want to say it's substantiated before I believe it, but it's very believable to me that in all this panic, they would be doing that. There was one New York Times story um, that noted that one of the precinct captains having trouble like literally went onto Facebook and started a Facebook <gasps> thread on public asking for tech support help. This is exactly so, what I'm saying about Iowans. <laughs> okay, so, so well, it's not it's not Iowans. It's just it's it, it's like you said. It, it's not their job to know this. So look, let's let's bottom line this for people and let me know if you agree with this. I feel like you could do an app like this well. I feel like you theoretically could if you have proprietary devices and proprietary testing and sent it out to everyone and had universal training and a whole lot of other stuff. But it would be so expensive and so big a task and it would require so much oversight and infrastructure that it it would probably be cost prohibitive. So I feel like my message is until you can guarantee that you've got, you know, cybersecurity oversight, that you've got universal testing for everyone doing this, we've got to stick to just paper and phone calls the way we've done this through our whole country's history. Mm -hmm. Because anything short of that, you were just asking for disaster. The Sanders team used a very similar app because they wanted to have their own numbers. And, you know, if you're talking about an internal tool for a team to verify stuff, I'm fine with that. But I just don't think the the United States election infrastructure is there to have this kind of technology here. What what do you think? Do you agree with that? I uh, Sorry, this is going to be a boring show because there's no disagreement here, baby. <laughs> I, I think that if this were something that were introduced, it would need to be worked on on a national level. And it would just need to be standardized and vetted in ways that the Democratic Party just did not do here. Right. Yep. Those are my feelings. My friend Namiki, um, you know, she's just absolutely wonderful. And she sat on the uh, the Reconciliation Committee after, um, you know, the Sanders-Hillary blow up in 2016. And she has very front-hand knowledge of how they tried to uh, reform the party from the inside and stop this from happening again. And, you know, she was telling everyone that um, one of the things they really fought about is they all agreed that they wanted to, you know, do things with super delegates. But one thing they could not get done was having oversight for the budget, including the budget for things like app development. So what ended up happening with app development is it didn't, according to hers, it didn't go to people that were qualified. Like a committee looked at it and said, okay, this looks like a good app. This budget makes sense. The process makes sense. It ends up being like, this is going to go to your friends that you trust to do a favor for. Mm -hmm. And if if you look at the entire pattern of things here, I think a reasonable person could conclude that Shadow was not in a position to have enough experience to develop something like this. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's just um, 
this is a hard lesson. And the thing that's most terrifying is the same app is uh, set to be used in Nevada. In I believe weeks. they did say they weren't going to use it. They said they weren't going to use it, but they don't have a plan specifically Great. what they cool. are going to do. We love yet. to see it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a complete failure of trust and transparency. And it's ironic because it was meant to increase safety, but it did the exact opposite of that yep. in terms of my heart. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by PDF Pen from our friends at Smile. <laughs> PDF- they could have just used PDF Pen and written the PDF not? and sent it around. <laughs> Tell me that one reason been why much not. Better. <laughs> PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro is your ultimate PDF viewing and editing app for the Mac. You can add headers and footers along with watermarks to your documents. It also includes a precision edit tool, and you can OCR your documents. And version 11.2 is available now with table cell content editing. You can edit, add, or remove images from your documents with PDF Pen. And you can add signatures and text, not to mention being able to correct typos and fill out forms, you clumsy doofuses. You can learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro at smilesoftware.com slash podcast. If you do any work with PDFs, you need a PDF pen. Go to smilesoftware.com slash podcast. Go check it out right now. PDF pen. Our thanks to PDF pen for their support of this show and Relay FM. Love them. That's right, baby. We do love them. So let's talk about a fun topic. Let's talk about gamer entitlement. How does that oh, sound? yeah, let's do that. <laughs> actually, right. that's not fair. This is actually justified gamer entitlement or anger. So. That was actually one of my questions. But first, I'm yep. going to ask you. So, Brie, the situation is that Blizzard is remastering Warcraft 3 and everything has gone wrong. Can that's you correct. tell us what Warcraft 3 was originally? So Warcraft 3 is one of these games that came out in the 90s. Um, And if you've ever enjoyed a game like, um, if you've ever enjoyed many of Blizzard's other games like Heroes of the Storm, Warcraft 3 is one of the games that all comes from. Um, It's where these these really bold characters like Jaina uh, originate from. Uh, Warcraft 3 is a strategy game that has been played for my God, decades now competitively. In fact, Warcraft 3 was modded, and that's where the billion-dollar company Dota ended up coming from. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, Blizzard, when they did this, they redid the terms of service to say, uh, if you modify this and create something, we get it this time. <laughs> it belongs to Blizzard, because they tried to do that with Dota and were unsuccessful uh, legally. So uh, long story short, this is a very beloved game that is literally held up for decades. Um, people play it competitively because it's it's a masterpiece of uh, game design. Mm-hmm. So back in 2018, uh, Blizzard at BlizzCon said, we are going to remaster this. Uh, they put out some trailers. They showed some uh, redone map levels. And, and everyone's just super released, excited because it, it looks great. good. Yeah. And right? it was released and it went as well as Iowa did. Oh, no. Hey. <laughs> so oh they're, they're showing this yeah. game. It looks like the, the cutscenes have been made more beautiful. They've added, um, they've like adjusted the storyline and they've changed some game modes around. Um, what, how, how did this 
How did this not work? What were the problems? Well, for starters, uh, the the beautiful cutscenes that you're talking about were completely destroyed for the game. Uh, they were mostly chopped out. There's a fantastic video out there where you can see the the cutscenes and animation that you were promised at BlizzCon versus what actually shipped and. It's really, really stunning, Simone. It's the difference of um, like people standing around and talking and cinematic shots and and a really immersive feel to it versus the kind of Diablo like stare down at the top <laughs> at the characters <laughs> as 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 good voice actors are trying to make that uh, make that um, entrancing. So, um, the long story short is it's, it's very similar to an alien's, uh, colonial Marine situation where they promise X, Y, and Z. And then the, the game comes out. And what we've seen is it's, it's basically, it's a, it's a disappointing product, uh, where very little has been done to update it. Like it's remastered, but um, you know the frame rate isn't great on a lot of the stuff. It it doesn't look better. Um, it's just not the the update to Warcraft that people were expecting. And Blizzard came out today and apologized and said anyone that wants a refund will get a refund. And I think the other aspect of this, I, actually, no, I'll get to my my other question first, uh, which is I think a lot of the time in video games. We hear complaints from the gaming community, and it's kind of frustrating because it feels like it's coming from a place of not understanding the difficulties of game development, and it just has an entitled edge to it. You said that this this feels like a different situation. Can you explain um, explain how that is? Well, let's let's be clear. I mean, I I do think that on YouTube, their entire channels dedicated to rage clicks like polygon.com that's yes. a good example <laughs> that's your daily rage content yeah. destroying game developers just for clicks no of course i'm you no. probably know the channels i'm talking about mm-hmm. i won't name them but uh there there is a thing where if you kind of tap into this gamer anger like you're being ripped off they're out to get you. Um, that is certainly an, an undercurrent of, of the game industry. And initially when the story came out, um, I, I saw it. I was like, oh, whatever. This is stupid. And I started looking into it and actually seeing the trailers of what Blizzard promised versus what actually shipped. And I have to say, I think a lot of the criticism is, is fair. And, you know, Blizzard, of course, has come out and there have been allegations of, quote unquote, review bombing it. But if you look at legit publications, they have rated this very poorly with some very reasoned, well thought out um, pieces. So I, I do think a reasonable person could look at this product and say they didn't respect the original. They made it worse in a lot of ways. And what's the point of revisiting a 20-year-old game if you're just going to um, um, cut a lot of features and make it less enjoyable? Does that make sense? So no, I don't think it's entitlement overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the issues that people have been talking about is with the online modes, which of course is very important if you want to play Warcraft against other players, which is obviously a huge part of that game. That's why it's been so popular for so long. Um, people are right. having trouble connecting to the servers. They're having trouble making custom matches. They uh, have actually, people are having trouble accessing custom campaigns that they've made previously. Um, and apparently there's no competitive support. So people right. are 
upset because they're they're finding that if they've installed this remake, even if they install the original Warcraft three, uh, because they're launching it through Blizzard's clients, the the online is broken. <laughs> even if they're playing the original version, which is super upsetting for people. Yeah. No, I think you're dead on. Um, you know, it's important to say all of those features, that's part of what led to Dota. Uh, a lot of the reason this game has lasted so long is the mod community. It is the competitive community. How and, do you feel about yeah. I, the modding rule? So the rule that you mentioned where if somebody makes a new game mode and then decides to sell it, Blizzard owns that. I How do you think, feel about that? I, I don't feel great about it. Um, at the same time, I mean, you know, Unreal Engine, I, I, I'm kind of torn, I guess, to be honest. It feels like Blizzard kind of stepping on the the neck of their community. At the same time, like if I went and developed something with Unreal Engine, I would expect to pay them a licensing fee. So That's kind of how I feel, I don't too. Know. Like yeah. that, I... Yeah, it, it feels strange to me to borrow someone's tools and make something and then just kind of be like, all right, peace. <laughs> <laughs> We're out. That's Thanks, the only part y'all. of it where I'm kind of like, okay, I understand. If I, if I like you said, if, if I made something in, say, Minecraft and I decided to break it off and sell it, I would probably expect Microsoft to come breathing down my neck. Yeah. I mean, I guess the way I feel, though, Simone, is yeah, Blizzard is not a game development company that's exactly strapped for cash. I mean, um, yeah, they you are deprecating. Well, right. I mean, they are deprecating Heroes of the Storm. That's their kind of uh, Dota answer. That's going away. Hearthstone, I don't play it, and I get the sense that the user base has really gone down, but it's 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 doing okay. Uh, the last World of Warcraft uh, vanilla, like relaunching the original Worlds of Warcraft, seemed to be like a fad that everyone was into for like a couple of weeks, and then that went away. Um, but, you know, Overwatch is, uh, is still wildly popular, and, you know, as is WoW overall. So I just don't, I don't understand what their focus is right now when so many of the things they've done this year don't seem to be going well. Does is that a fair sense, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. They they've kind of stepped in it multiple times this year, which is disappointing to see because obviously like I'm a fan of Overwatch, but it, it does seem like it's a company that's going in several different directions at once. And some yeah. of those directions happen to make people really mad. Is Overwatch 2 coming? Did I see that correctly? It is coming. Um, I'm, I don't remember when off the top of my head, but it was announced. There, There's going to be campaigns, which is what everyone's wanted since the very first Overwatch. I, I don't know if I've wanted a campaign. Well, well everyone else has. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess, I guess uh, I'm weird. <laughs> okay. Want to talk about awesome. some Google leaks? Let's talk about it. Uh, I just uh, made some really embarrassing videos and put them in my uh, Google account. Uh, that's okay, isn't it? Uh, oh, Brie, hold off on that. <laughs> I- I'm getting an update here. <laughs> I'm getting an update from the online that says that um, Google's takeout service, which lets you download your data, was apparently affected by a technical issue for five days in November, which resulted in a small number of users downloading private videos that didn't belong to them because of a mix-up behind the scenes there. 9to5Google reports that 0.01% of Photos users who use Takeout were affected. The Verge points out that over 1 billion people use Google Photos. 
Um, Google has not disclosed how many people um, accidentally downloaded other people's videos, nor how many videos were accidentally like stuck in the wrong download package, basically. Um, so we do not know how widespread the issue is. But it was announced in a very nonchalant email being like, <clears throat> gentle throat clearing. Hey, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to fix this. We fixed this, actually. We already fixed it. <laughs> it happened. Don't worry about it. I'm sure you weren't affected. But if you were, we're so sorry. <laughs> this is silly. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> it's horrible, but it's also just like, I mean, this is, you know what this is? This is a supporting argument for why the Democratic Party should not have used that app. <laughs> because, folks, Google has been doing this since day one. This is their whole business. Even Google can have a little mix-up that means that Rihanna Wu's private videos are getting downloaded by oh, me. No. Oh. Yep, it was me all along. Simone's going to see all of my videos of, uh, of dancing uh, to uh, yeah. filthy rap music. going to see all your campaign commercial yeah. outtakes. It's all um, over. Yeah, um, that's that's my takeaway on this. I I don't know. I mean, look, I think it's fair to say overall, Google services overall taken as an aggregate, Google has one of the better records. I'm not talking about cybersecurity on Android devices. I'm saying on their services itself, Gmail, um, you know, Google Docs, all of that. They've got a pretty good record, and I feel like this one incident does not um, torpedo that whole record. Um, yeah, I totally it's, agree. It's it's hard here because there's not really anything actionable you can you can take here. I mean, unless you're willing to move to a mountain and only use Kodak cameras <laughs> from the '90s and develop film by hand and store it in your house. I mean, it, you're you're gonna cross paths with these tools at some point, and it's just. It's frustrating to not be able to give Rocket listeners anything concrete to do to protect themselves because this is a, in the general sense, it's a protected uh, place to store stuff, right? Yeah. And I, I think that my big takeaway from this is that that's kind of just the way that things are. And I don't want to sound nonchalant about the people who are affected by this, who might be like worrying if their private video was downloaded by someone else. That's very serious. But what yeah. I think this goes to show is that their security is kind of smoke and mirrors at some point because there are things that are completely out of our control and they're out of control of the engineers at Google. And we can, we and they can do our best to stay safe. But at the end of the day, sometimes things are going to happen and yeah. Google will fix it in five days, but we don't know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Hey, let's move on to our fun final topic. Uh, this freaking rules. So somebody posted on Reddit on our videos um, a video that they made using a neural network of an old 1896 film um, called Arrival of a Train at La Ciotat. And I think I'm pronouncing that right. I think it's Italian. We're going we're gonna to roll with it. They used a neural network to update the footage, this old 1896 footage, which probably ran at like 5 FPS. They updated it to 4K 50 FPS, and it looks baller. Um, yep. I, I cannot stress how surreal it is to see this. Um, and that's why I wanted to talk about it, because I think we all have, we've all seen 
footage from a silent movie or in this case older. Can you older. tell people about that that footage just in case they don't Yeah, know? let me describe the footage. Good idea, Bree. This is an audio <laughs> medium. So in this very short video, we see a group, a group of people standing on a train platform and then we see the train roll into the platform and stop and then people start moving to board the train. It's a very simple little video that people loved making at that time because they love to see like how the world was could be reflected and captured in this new technology, which was film. Um, and of course, at the time, it's black and white. The frame rates were very low. Uh, details, like tiny details are not terribly clear. Still looks impressive, but whatever. And we are used to seeing historical scenes from that perspective. We've all seen historical movies, but we've only ever seen history captured at incredibly low frame rates in fuzzy video with lots of artifacting or strange discoloration. And this updates that and makes it hyper real in a way. Like it's not, you know, what we would normally see on film, which is like 23, 24 FPS. But it makes this footage feel so vibrant and textured and like on the edge, the knife's edge of surreal. And I absolutely love it because even in um, Peter Jackson's They Shall Not Grow Old, um, I haven't seen old footage look quite this alive before. Yeah, no, you're dead on with that. Um, it's, I mean, this is a historically important piece of footage. And it's it's one of these things, I'm sure you've seen it parodied in a movie, if not the film itself. And and what they did is they got deep learning algorithms and neural networks to uh, basically uh, uh, piece it all together. And I do think it's worth saying I we can't be sure how much of it is is real, but with it all pieced together, it really feels like you're back there in this era. And I, Simone, when you first proposed this topic, I thought it was esoteric and a little. It's just not my thing. And I watched it; it was really, really striking. And I think there are a lot of, um, I, I think there are a lot of um, uh, practical applications for this kind of approach. Did you see this uh, special effects video a while back where um, it's 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 by people that work in the movie industry and they go back and fix special effects shots uh, when the movie uh, when the the mummy sequel the scorpion came came out it was famously lambasted because it was early CGI and the rock just looks stupid and plastic in it. And they use the same technique with modern pictures of The Rock to put his real face <laughs> over the CG face with the same kind of uh, deep learning uh, algorithm. And it was remarkably better. And that's kind of what they did here. So I think it's a, a just a shockingly cool technique. I haven't seen that, but that sounds so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to also just briefly shout out the film that I mentioned, uh, They Shall Not Grow Old. Because that is Peter Jackson's project. He was given um, the, I think, British Library's archive of World War One footage. And he upscaled it, uh, made it 24 FPS and colorized it. And it looks, it makes such a huge difference uh, just in terms of making that history feel so much closer to now, which it is <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. It's a great movie. Um, made me cry a little bit, but it's also really funny. 
So for me, the value in this, like, finally, a nice thing I can say about AI. <laughs> yeah, or technology. Imagine yeah. if they redid, like, Metropolitan, uh, Metropolitan with it, Metro. Metropolis. Metropolis. Like no, uh, literally, yes. I had this conversation just last weekend where I was like, oh, yeah, me- Metropolitan. That's the old <laughs> black and white movie, right? And everyone's right. like, no, that is a 90s movie about rich people on the Upper East Side. It's a good movie. It's <laughs> it, good. It, Though the sequel said it was of really The Last good. Days of Disco is much better with Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but yes, the importance of this for me is that I think we have a tendency to treat history as though it is very, very far from us and has less bearing on our present than it does. And seeing it in this perspective, I just think is is important. It, it allows us to understand, oh yeah, these are people, <laughs> people just like us. Um, yeah, I was doing some uh, historical archive research uh, this week, uh, watching uh, E! News uh, talk soup clips from the 90s. Same thing. <laughs> Do you thing. know what talk soup is? Oh, Do you, I are remember. you old enough? I remember talk soup. With John Henson? Oh my gosh, he tweeted at me and then I fell down a YouTube hole. <gasps> um, anyway, um, it, it was you're watching it. So just speaking of history, I was watching a great clip from 1998 where a um, a Nazi... Uh, was announcing on Jerry Springer how he was going to come and become president of the United States and uh, create this country oh, uh, in a fascist way. So I'm just saying, like, know your history because it could be relevant mm. in the future. Brianna, what are you doing this week? What am I doing this week? I'm doing events. I'm doing all the usual stuff with the campaign. So I want to talk about something I'm doing this week that's fun that's not professionally related. Wow. Um, I recently invested in two things. Uh, do you know what the analog is by any chance? No. <laughs> so this is a, um, it's an FGPA version of the, uh, the Super Nintendo and the Genesis. So um, what they wanted to do is the NES Classic is a, a good device. Um, and these retro clones are pretty good devices, but there's not a great way to play NES, SNES, Genesis games on modern televisions because you've got to do it through the AV cables um, and it's all blurry or you're soldering into your original hardware trying to get it with HDMI and it's got problems with color and all of that there. So what they wanted to do was create a 100% accurate way to play SNES and Genesis games on modern TVs. Uh, The first version was the uh, NT Mini, which replicated the NES, and it was uh, just a smash hit, a ridiculously well-reviewed device. If you missed buying one, they cost $10,000 now. Oh, my God. So it's very hard to get it. So I decided to go and grab the Genesis and the Super Nintendo version of this before they got so expensive that it cost more than a car. Um, well, so Bri, I, I bu- want to ask yeah, you, like, go ahead. Please, how, please. how good an app could I develop for $10,000? That's um, got to be enough, right? Oh, you could run the entire election in the United States. Oh, my clearly. God. I can't yeah. believe no one's ever thought of this before. Yeah, you should do that right now. Please do that. Um, so, so I... Um, you know, Super Mario 2 is my game. It's the one where you can play as Princess Peach. And I've been working on speedrunning this. Oh, my God. On original NES carts, uh, SNES carts like a boss. You know, I've got my time to go start to finish in uh, in Super Mario All-Star, Super Mario 2, a princess-only speedrun down to 13 minutes. Oh, my God. Which is God. very good. The fastest run on Earth is about 10 minutes. 
So, um, and I have to say, it's really taught me that Christine and I um, really talked about the the SNES classic in very glowing terms on Rocket. Now that I've played the two side by side, there's all this lag there that I just didn't perceive that if you're trying to seriously speed run a game. So um, that's what I'm doing this week for fun. It's great. I love it. And I think everyone out there, if you have any interest in retro games at all, this is beyond worth your time. It's about $200. That's awesome. I, yeah. Yeah, I had no idea about that uh, speedrunning problem on the emulators, but yep. and not the emulators. Ha ha ha. The non-emulators that are being officially sold. Yes. You know, those things. Uh, that's no, really it's cool. Emulated. That it's yeah. emulated. It uses canoe. So. All right. All right. Uh, what am I doing this week? I... I don't know. <laughs> you don't know what you're I, doing. I'm continuing the search, the global search for Christina Warren, everyone. Yes. It's yes. an issue near and dear to my heart. I'm going to find her. I'm going to bring her back. And here's my vow to you. I'm going to get Christina Warren back on this show for next week. Oh We're going to make it happen. Do you, do you think it's safe to say that people rating and reviewing the show on iTunes uh, would help that search? It would certainly help me. Yes. That would give me, <laughs> I guess some morale and maybe even something to go on. Maybe even she will be encouraged to come out of hiding. Yes. I mean, she's alive. Kidnap, whatever's happened to her. We don't know who can say ghosts. She could be in an alternate dimension. Um, Yeah. Ghost took her. She could be on an astral plane, like an X-Men comic. Maybe she's developing an app. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) God. Wow, Brianna, uh, where can I find you online? You can find me on uh, Brianna Wu on Twitter. Uh, You can support my congressional campaign by going to uh, support Brianna, and you can go and see me on Facebook at developer Brianna Wu. Amazing. You can find me online on Twitter at Doom Quasar and YouTube.com slash Polygon. You can find Christina on Twitter at film underscore girl. Tell her that you're reviewing the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Don't ask where she is or when she's coming back. She won't reply. She's so she's definitely not active on Twitter or Instagram right now because she's really? missing. I think but she's tweeting even as we're speaking. That is a that that's a ruse. <laughs> that's what we in French we call a ruse, Brie. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> it's to trick you um and make you think that you don't need to review the podcast on Apple Podcasts when in fact <laughs> you do. So you can do that and you should. And thank you. Love you all. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs> <laughs>